Hey. Oh, she told me. It's open. I don't think I'm gonna Give him prayer. Testing one, two. Testing, testing, testing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll drink these more than the other I can say those to later. your Bible? I'm going to have the men sing next week. Men, we're not going to sing. Brother Kenny's at wheel. We'll plan to sing actually next week. But we are going to be meeting this week, men, on Thursday. Next week is Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're recognized, yeah. I know you just were standing. I'm going to ask you to stand again, please, as I pray. <laughs> Today we are eternally grateful to you, Lord. We pray that you will bless us and keep us, strengthen us. May the word of God penetrate the heart. May the word of God flow from my mouth. May hearts be changed. May lives be transformed. May the Lord God be glorified. Thank you today what you're doing. Anoint this vessel. Pray that you will bless and that God, the word of the Lord, will has, have its desired effect on the lives of your people. We love you. We do give all the praise and glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I did. I don't feel the Lord is leading. I know, but we'll see. I'm going to read today Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. I want to let you know we've been, we're, we're, we're in the book of Acts and we're doing a study and I'm going to be here for a while in this book. I'm not sure just how, just how much I'll cover each time that I'm speaking. But today I'm going to read verses 12 through 26. And I've been laying a foundation as we have been 
looking at the Great Commission and looking at the church and as Jesus has gone back to heaven after his resurrection and looking at, at his ascension and the establishment of the beginning of the church. And so Acts is a very rich book written by the physician Luke. And today we will delve a little further in regards to our topic, preparing to do the work I was called to do, part three, preparing to do the work I was called to do. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested him, or arrested Jesus. He was one of our number. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted and there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. But one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. 
so he would add it to the 11 apostles. We've been dealing in this book of Acts over the last few weeks, and we are continuing this look at what we are being called and prepared to do. There is much to be said about obedience to the word of God. There's a lot to be said about obedience. We must truly commend the apostles as being obedient to the word of God after the two angels confirmed what Jesus had just said to them, go back to Jerusalem and wait. These apostles returned to Jerusalem and the first church of the 120 is stated or recorded as having begun at this time. In the book of Acts, we get the beginning of the church. The church begins the book of Acts. I want you to also know very well that Jesus did not commission the religious leaders that were at the temple. He chose those men that had walked with him and had been under his direct training and supervision while he was with them. You will note that leadership is pivotal as Christ goes back to heaven. They must wait until the new leader of the church age comes into power, comes to empower them to carry forth the work of the kingdom of God. The new leader will be the person of the Holy Spirit. The first point, if you're writing the points down, is the first gathering after Jesus returned to heaven. The first gathering after Jesus returned to heaven. And you find that in Acts 1, 12 through 14. In the naming of the apostles, this is the 11 here. We just read that there are the names that's given of the apostles. And the reason that we don't see Judas is that Judas is now dead. There are approximately, I believe, four times where there are there is a list of the apostles given, the naming of the apostles, and in every one of those lists, Judas of Iscariot is always mentioned last in any list of the apostles. The only other name in the names of the disciples that are mentioned in verses between verses 12 and 14, the only other name that is mentioned here is Mary. If we can silence our phones, I know that uh, that would be great. You don't have to turn off. You can just place it on silence or vibrate. The only other name after the disciples is given is the name of Mary, the mother of Jesus. While it says the other women and Jesus' brothers were there, doesn't give their names. I want you to note that in this passage, this is the last time you ever hear of Mary mentioned in the Bible. 
in the New Testament at all. This is the last time that Mary's name is ever mentioned. Jesus' mother was pivotal in regards to bringing Christ into the world. The emphasis in Scripture cannot center on Mary, but on Jesus, whom everyone must go to in order to be saved. Mary cannot save you. It is Christ who saves, and the emphasis focuses on Jesus, and no longer do we hear of Mary anymore. We must recognize that Mary was chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. Jesus is God. Her character is exemplary. But we see something very interesting. This group gathered in the upper room to study and to go through the scriptures. They studied the scriptures and they went there to pray. We note very interestingly that Mary is within this group praying to Jesus. She recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. She is among those that's gathered worshiping. She is seen as the mother of Jesus, but she recognizes that she needs Jesus as her Savior. She is not there in the upper room as the mother of Jesus. She is there with the others recognizing Jesus as her Savior. The disciples that went to meet Jesus was called by him to go to Galilee. He told them before he had even left and gone to the cross that when I die and I arise, you are to meet me in Galilee. And then when he arose, the women were told by the angels, tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. Then they meet him and now he sends them back to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, as they have now been ushered or told by the angels, go back now, don't stand here gazing into the sky. This same Jesus is coming back, but you now go back to Jerusalem and you wait. And we find them now in obedience. And we find this larger group now of 120 that goes and meets with the disciples, and they recognize the disciples, uh, the apostles who are also called disciples, they recognize their authority as having come directly from Jesus, and they are to follow their leadership. Two things Dr. R.C. Sproul notes when the disciples went to Jerusalem as instructed by Jesus. This is very interesting because this is now within the first two weeks of the church being established. First thing he notes is that they were obedient to what they were told. And the second is that they met as a group. They were obedient to what they had been told, and secondly, they met as a group. 
we were discussing this today in Sunday school, the importance of the gifts that were given and that it is to benefit the body. When the Lord called the church and he told the disciples to go back to Jerusalem, we see the beginning of this 120 that gathered as the forming of that group, that band that came together to help form or to form the first group, the body of Christ. Another thing that they did that's mentioned, you can say thirdly, but was added uh, or, or was the activity that they were engaged in, and they were engaged in the activity of prayer. Not too much can be said or not enough can be said about prayer. Prayer is hard work. When you begin to pray, things will happen that will try to take your mind and take your heart away from prayer. I remember when we were years ago, when Sister Barry was here and many others, we went on a 40-day consecration in this church. It was a time of fasting and prayer, and we were coming here Monday through Friday in the evening praying the body. During that time, I recall about 18 got saved on a Sunday or came forward. The enemy was busy, but during that 40-day period of fasting and prayer, Sister Barry's husband was killed. He lost his life. He was killed in an accident. He was on his way to work. Evidently, did see this truck ran through the back of the truck. The top of the car was shaved off. Howard Berry had not too soon before that had accepted the Lord as a Savior. Sister Berry had been praying for years for her husband to accept the Lord. And I remember the time this Sunday that he came and said, yes. To Jesus, she sat there and was unresponsive, was like, did this really just happen? I remember her response, that there was like a shock that he just accepted the Lord. He began coming to church. They lived in Pittsburgh, same as my brother Latouris right now, right? Far, long distance away. But he was coming on Sunday, and not too many years or not long after that, he left here, taking on the glory. I believe that God in his faithfulness, in his wonderful faithfulness, preserves and keeps people who don't know the Lord when they have praying spouses at times, keeps them longer so that they can repent. I believe that Howard Berry was spared because of his wife's prayer. And the body praying for him. And when he accepted the Lord, soon after that, he was taken on. It was a devastating time in regards to pain for the church. But we recall that when we entered that season, one of the things that we had to do was watch. It was a time when many things were happening during that 40-day period as the church was in intense prayer. 
And as these 120 are gathered, they are praying. They were studying. When you begin to look at instructions about what one is going to do, one has to oftentimes wait in order to receive the instructions of how one is to proceed. I recall my wife bought me a grill. And that grill sat in our living room for about two years. <laughs> right by the counter. I'm going to put this together. I like the grill and had to work. I'm going to put that. But it sat there. And I forgot everything. She said I was all in a package, but it said it required two people to put together. So on this one Saturday, I finally am going to be grilling. I want to use both grills. I got a lot to do. I decided I'm going to take everything out this box, took it all out, make sure that everything was there, and I'm going to start the process of putting it together. I'm going to see how far I can get it. So I laid everything out, took everything out the package, and began to put it together. And lo and behold, I ran into a roadblock. Soon after I started, I realized that the bottom of the barrel of this drum needed to be held a certain way while the screws to the top fit to screw it in, and I wasn't strong enough to hold it in place. So I packed the stuff back up, <laughs> put it back in the box, and because I took it out, you know stuff never go back in as easy as it come out. I couldn't get all the stuff back in, so some stuff just stayed out the box on the side. We then set a time later, forgot how much longer it would sat there again, but we set a time later on a Saturday or Friday, whatever it was, I think it may have been a Friday, and began putting it together and realized that, hey, this works better with two people. Holding it in place while the other one worked to put the screws and things together. And it was... A wonderful thing. And I thought to myself, wow, why did I take so long to begin putting this together? Because it was a, it's a wonderful grill. It's been great. But I needed the instruction, but I needed the help. I couldn't do it by myself. The disciples had to wait for instructions, but while they're waiting, they're spending time in prayer. Because they have been called to accomplish a work that can only be done by the empowering work of God himself. Jesus Christ could only be in one place at one time when he was on the earth. He could not be several places at the same time when he came to the earth. We call the incarnation when he came from heaven, took on flesh. He could be in one place at one time. But he, when he told his disciples, you wait here until you've been endued or endowed with power from on high. And so they are waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promise that the Lord told them would come. Amen. They needed to wait for his instructions, for his empowerment in order to do the work that he had called them to do. 
It could be said of this first group that they were truly on one accord. They were in the upper room praying, searching the scriptures on one accord. And you have to imagine that when they are up in the upper room, they are beginning to think this Jesus who we walked with, who taught us, There has to be something in the Old Testament passage that speaks about him. And I can imagine that this is what they spent their time beginning to do. Searching the scriptures to find out what did the scriptures say about him. And not only him, is there anything in that scripture about Judas? What, what's in it there about him, about how he died? He was with us. He was one of us. He walked with us. He was there from the beginning. What happened? Gruesome details of how he died. Believe that he tried to hang himself and it was a botched job. Whether the limb broke, the rope broke. His insides fell out. It was a gruesome mess. Now, when we consider Judas... The question arises, how could someone be so close to Jesus? How could someone be so close and instructed by the Master? How could someone be so close or in the circle that when Jesus went to call his disciples, he prayed all night long? Before he made the choice of the twelve, he prayed all night night long. And then he called all of the disciples to him. And out of that group, 12 were selected. Judas was one of those 12. There are times when Christ will take special concern and special time to bring people to him and, and help teach and work with to encourage and guide and to love them. He'll take that extra care to put his arms around him, as Sister Nancy always will say. <laughs> and he wraps himself around that person to give them that extra. To try to keep them from being lost. It takes everything to push Jesus away. When he's been coming and he's been working, he's been doing as much as he possibly could. It takes a lot to push him away and say, no, I don't want you. It takes a heart that refuses to believe and accept his love for them. To push Jesus away when he's beckoning and calling. It had to burden Jesus when he knew what Judas was going to do. Judas called him. He had authority. He walked with him. He was with him from the beginning. He was numbered with him. 
and yet the tragedy of his life after being with the master is most tragic. Point number two, who will replace Jesus? Who is to replace Judas? Who is to replace Judas, rather? Who is to replace Judas? And verses 15 through 26, from verse 15 to the rest of the chapter, this is kind of the topic which Peter begins to expound on. Now, there has been great debate over the years and in theological circles, circles if Peter and the disciples were actually led by the Lord in choosing the replacement. I'm just going to just mention this. There's debate in the theological circles. However, let's look at the rationale. Judas is dead, and there are 11 apostles. When the disciples met with their new excitement about Christ being alive, as I said, they began to search the scriptures. Peter, in his speech, references, if you'll find Psalms and go to Psalm 109, verse 8. I'm going to read it from the board here. Psalm 109, verse 8. Let his days be few, and let another take his office or place. David has been also a prophet. It is believed that this is a reference back in Psalms, the Old Testament, to Judas. And this is what David even mentions as he gives his, his talk to the 120 in the upper room. There were three primary criteria that one needed to have as part of the selection process and being an apostle as noted in verse 21 that Peter gives. Number one that he says, according to Dr. R.C. Sproul, he, he says, number one, there had, the candidate had to be a member of Jesus' band of disciples from the beginning. From the days of his baptism at the Jordan by John the Baptist. When we look at Jesus, we look at Jesus' life as having began right when he was born, but not his ministry. That did not begin until he was age 30. So when we talk about with Jesus from the beginning, we're talking about the beginning of his ministry. And so the candidate having to be a part of Jesus from the beginning. Number two, he had to be an eyewitness to the resurrection. Had to be a part of having seen the risen Christ. Number three, he had to be commissioned to the office by Christ himself. When you look at the choosing, it was Christ that chose the twelve. The choosing of the new apostle, now I, I, I want to be careful because I, I don't have time to go into the details of this, was similar to what we call the Urim and Thummim. In the Old Testament in Exodus, in fact, Exodus 29, 28, 30, in fact, would you go to Exodus chapter 28, 
And I may read it from my Bible. Verse 30, Exodus 28. I want to read that. Exodus 28, verse 30. I'm going to read it first from my Bible, and then I'll read it from the board. Exodus 28:30 in my Bible, in my NIV, reads, in fact, I'm going to go to verse 29 first. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the name of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastplate of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. I want you to know something here. As the tribes of Israel, there were 12 tribes of Israel, Jesus chose 12 disciples. Verse 30. Also put the Urim and Thummim in the breastplate so they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. The Urim and Thummim was a way of discerning God's will in the Old Testament. Part of the controversy is that Scripture does not record Peter praying if they were to replace Judas's position at this time. We don't find Peter praying until after, at least recorded, until after they have already chosen the two that met the criteria, which was Barsabbas and Matthias. And then they said, Lord, choose us. And they used a method of casting lots, the Bible says, which would be similar to how in the Old Testament, if they had to discern God's will, they would use this means. And the, and the Urim was considered to be that which was negative, and the Thummim, that which was positive. In other words, if when they prayed, God, and remember, God is directing this in the Old Testament. If it was like all bad, they said, this ain't the will of God. If it tended to be that which was positive in regards to the results, they said, this then is the will of God. So as they're casting their lots, deciding who it should be, they said the lot fell to Matthias. Now, I want you to note something. And the reason I don't go too deep into this because it gets into some of the other things I'm not going into at this time. And, but the, I want you to note, when they did this, you also hear nothing again in Scripture after this point about Matthias or Sabbath or Justice is another name. You don't hear anything else. In, it doesn't mean that it was necessarily wrong. I'm just saying these are, this is what is considered some of the, the theological controversies or if he was led. Because I want you to note this. That is, you no longer ever hear about the thummim or the casting of lots again. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit then begins to commission the, the people for ministry. When Paul was called. It was the Lord says, I want you in the book of Acts to set aside, I want you to set aside Barnabas, and I want you to set apart Paul 
for my ministry, for my work. It was the Holy Spirit. And I believe that Jesus, God, was ushering in a new era that it's no longer this method. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that guides, that leads, that gives direction. As the church is taking shape, the apostles are clearly the leaders that the group is rallying around. Their faithfulness to what Jesus told them to do is going to impact everyone in that upper room that we will begin to see the next time that we come together. The importance and the, and the authority of the church was given and set by Christ himself and confirmed by the coming of the Holy Spirit. While the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those leaders, were jockeying for positions at the temple, this early church was pursuing what Jesus told them to do. Wait for the promised Holy Spirit and then go do the work that I called you to do. Waiting was not inactivity, but we see them, we see there was plenty that the disciples and the early church was involved in. God's anointing is on that which he commissions. God's anointing is on that which he commissions. If God doesn't commission it, it's not anointed. If we're doing things outside of God's will, it doesn't have the covering of the Holy Spirit. If we're doing things that's not called by God for us to do, it is not anointed. You may think based on how you are moving and walking that it's going well, but you're going to run into something down the road that's not only going to cause you problems, but the fall is going to be so difficult because the setup from way back in has been going and going and going, but it's not been anointed. And so one of the things that we've got to be careful to do is we've got to be careful to walk in the anointing that Christ has called us to. And Jesus told those disciples, you go and you wait for the anointing to do the work that I've called you to do. And because of their obedience and their coming together, not only were the disciples going to be a benefit, get, be, a, be benefited from the Holy Spirit coming, but everybody in that upper room. We've got to understand something very clearly, that Christ sanctions and anoints what he commissions. I, I, I want to drive that point home. I was about to do something some years ago that was foolish as I bring this to a close. I got upset at my job. The people, I got upset. Prideful. Got upset and was about to leave. Because I was upset. My pride was hurt. No man. So I began looking for another job. Went to the city. 
had a friend that had recommended me to a job I'd never done before, but recommended because she had recommended me, and they called me for an interview. And so I went. Didn't get it? Thank God I didn't get it. Oh, oh, oh. Not only am I glad I didn't get it, the person who recommended me glad I didn't get it. Because she left too. I'm so glad you didn't get that job. It is terrible. At the same time, when that was happening, something else was happening that I needed to take time off work and I had some flexibility on my schedule that I could go and do what I needed to do. And I look at how God had not only protected me, had called me, commissioned me. He sanctioned me to be where I was, and I was about to get out of his will because of myself. And today, too many people are in self and not in the will of God. And what they're doing is not sanctioned nor commissioned nor anointed by God. And today, today, we've got to sure that, be sure that what we do is bathed in prayer. Because if we don't, there can be some problems and complications down the road that we don't see and take us in directions that we never intended to go. These disciples obeyed, and as a result... The Holy Spirit began to give them guidance. When you're in the will of God, the Holy Spirit will give you confirmation and will give you guidance in regards to what you need to do. But I need to say this as I end. We need to get ready for communion. We're going to do a little different today. We're all going to do communion, and we're going to end. I need to say this as we end, and that is. I forgot my thought, but I bring it back, Lord. <laughs> I can't remember right now, but it'll come back, maybe. That's what happens when you get old. <laughs> Keep living, y'all. <laughs> oh. The disciples, when the Holy Spirit came, the Lord gave them what they needed at the time that they needed it. Their commission and their calling was to be obedient to what he called them to do and to go. Be careful that you don't walk in your feelings, your flesh, or by what you see. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Be careful what you think you see and what you began to go after. Be careful. And I'm going to say this. God rewards faithfulness. When the disciples were in that room and they began to do it, and even though they lost their lives, many of them, it was faithfulness that was rewarded. And God showed his power through them. Bow your heads.
The establishment of the early church was powerful. It was important. It was recognized and ordained and set by Christ himself. And because of obedient followers, we have the body of Christ today. I tell you, God's will is going to be done. You got loved ones that are still not saved? Keep praying for them. You got kids you praying for? Keep praying for them. You need to get saved? Get saved and keep praying. You need to live holy? Live holy and watch what God will do. I'm going to say this final thing. On Wednesday, I'm sitting over at the quiet hour. Sister Carol told her people, I said it when I came on. I'm sitting there, and I was sitting I'm sending a text to Sister Florence. The Lord told me then, because I was about to go home at the call Sister Carol. He told, I heard him. I stopped what I was doing and called her right then. When I called her, she said, thank the Lord. She was there. She said, Sister Florence was just sending you a text. Now he's messing up my text or something to that nature. But her car had stopped right up the hill, and she needed to get home. I had to follow her to the mechanic shop, then take her home. I was sitting in San Francisco, and the Lord said, call Sister Carol. And she was sitting here, and her car was right there. We went after I got back here, came through Marin City, went and got her car, got, drove it up the road, followed all the way, and it did not overheat all the way there. When we got to the place, it wouldn't back up. It wouldn't back up. We couldn't even park it as we wanted. I had to call them again. It's parked here. It's out a little bit. It won't back up. That's what God will do. That's what God will do. Today, Lord, we thank you for your wonderful grace. And we are praying today that, Lord, as this church is taking shape, and you are doing a work, Lord. We see that God is by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that leads the church. It's the Holy Spirit that gives guidance. It's the Holy Spirit that leads to transition. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us victory. It's the Holy Spirit that gets the glory. It's Jesus Christ that gets all the honor. We thank you right now, Lord. And our prayer is that you will be honored that you will be lifted up, that you will be glorified, and will do the work that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm going to ask, I know you're back. God bless. I'm going to ask if we're bringing the table. This is what we're going to do. Today we're going to just come up. You're going to take the, the, the bread, or the wafer, and the juice. Okay. We need one other man. Brother Larry, could you help? Brother Jerry, we open at the door. Brother Jerry, thank you. Bring the table up here. And we're, I'm going to ask you now, kid, please, if you're not Christian, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, and you, don't take communion. If you know the Lord, if you need to just say right now, you, if you are saved and you think, you know, Lord, I need to just stay right where you are, God, forgive me. That'll qualify you. But don't take it if you're not saved. Communion is for the believers. I'm going to ask you to take the wafer. I'm going to ask you then to go back to your seat and hold it, and we're going to take it together, and then we're going to end.
We're going to take the juice and the wafer. Go back to your seat, hold it, and then we're going to take it together and end. I'm going to call one side and the other side. Again, and I'm going to ask people, you don't have to leave. If you're not going to take it, and if you have a problem walking, let us know. We'll bring it to you. You're going to take it, but you have a problem walking, let us know. I'm going to say a general prayer first over the, t- over the table. Have you come? And then I'll say a brief prayer as we take it. Lord, today we are praying for the bread that represents the body of our Savior Jesus Christ that was broken. We thank you, Lord, for the blood that was shed that's represented, represented by the juice. We recognize that we do this in remembrance of you. We don't want to do it as the Corinthians were first doing it, Lord, not thinking about the body of Christ. But, Lord, we do it in recognition of what Christ did for us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. This side, please, over here on my left, would you please come? Take one wafer, one juice. And the little one... Ronnie, she can come with you, but she won't be able to take it, though. Right. Okay. And if you are a believer, you should definitely take it. This is something that we do in recognition of, uh, of what Christ has done. Make sure you get to drink as well. This side, please, if you come. If you need, Nancy, do you, you need to bring, we'll bring it to you. Thank God, thank you. Brother Ronnie, I'm going to ask if you'll take this one, Sister Nancy, and take this for people
Amen. I'm going to ask you to hold the wafer in the air and the juice. Lord, we recognize that on Calvary's cross, you paid the price that we could never pay. You were and are the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. Thank you today for, Lord, giving your life and shedding your blood for us. Let's eat. And let's drink. If you stay where you are, please. I'm going to ask Brother Ronnie and Brother Larry if you would come and collect the cups. One will go on this side here. One will go on this side. I'm going to give this announcement because I, I don't want to, to take away from the, 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 the time here, but I do seem to say that the women that are going on the retreat need to give their money to Sister Florence. Um, so please see some other portion. She can tell you what it is. May the Lord bless you. Brother Howard, good to see you back there. So you, so you come in. May the Lord bless you and keep you today. We'll be Petaluma Tuesday. We'll be here Wednesday. Um, I, I also want to say, as keep pastor in prayer, he's, they had to take him to the hospital last night. He wasn't, his breathing was, was very weak. Um, talked to him briefly last night. So just keep him in prayer. Um, but just note this. Pastor's work has been done. Pastor's work is complete in regards to what God has for him. And if the Lord decides to raise him up, he can. But at the same time that we know that this body is only a temple. It's only a temple. And we know that one day we're going to shed this earthly body. We're going to shed it one day, every one of us. But he's ready whenever the Lord decides to call him home. And that's what we've got to rejoice in is that whenever God decides, he's ready. He's made that clear. We've talked. He's ready. He's waiting for the Lord. Whatever God's will may be. God bless you. Keep you this day. Amen. Amen. Testing. Testing one. Testing two. Still on. Yeah. Eight. Hey, you. You are welcome. God bless you. We don't need to save anything that right. This is not shutting sure Yeah, brother Larry. Could it stay up? We got the kids.